James chapter 1, verse 26, if anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Why would I say I need you guys not to fear this? People fear the book of James. People don't like the book of James. People stay away from the book of James. There are groans. There are, I heard groans when, when I said I was going to be doing a series on James. Oh, I heard the rolling of eyes. It's, it's got a bad rep. And we look at this. And at times, this verse can seem heavy if we don't have revelation on what it is. And don't tell me I'm the only one in the room that has looked at this passage and has read this and said, well, based on this, I don't measure up. Based on this, my religion is off. It is not pure. It's defiled. Based on this, I'm defiled. I'm always spouting off at the mouth. I'm always saying things when I shouldn't. There isn't a bridle on my tongue. In fact, there's a, there's a fast pass and it just says whatever it wants. My religion is worthless. And that's just confirmed by the fact that I've never, not once, ever have been to an orphanage. Ever. I didn't even like Annie. <laughs> I said that I need you to love this, but here's the correction. God needs you to love this scripture. But more important, he needs you to not be in some sort of ungodly bondage to it. He needs us to be in freedom. And freedom from these words. Not from the words themselves, but you know, from the bondage that comes with it. That kind of sounded odd. So let's read that again. James chapter 1, 26. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, uh, if anyone thinks himself to be uh, worshiping and fearful of God, that's what that means and yet does not bridle his tongue, not cut it off, just keep it in check, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion or worship in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress, in their time of difficulty, in their time of pain, in their time of confusion, in their time of hurt, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. I found that interesting in this passage. It talks about to, to visit orphans and widows in their time of distress. And that word distress is thelipsis. And, and I love that word. I use that word often. That word talks about the, the, the crushing that comes resulting in godly things in our lives. It's the same word that is used to describe the crushing of the olive in order to get olive oil, the crushing of the grape in order to get wine, the crushing of something in order to get something more valuable. And, and I love that that word is used because I really think it speaks to what we're supposed to do when other people can't quite discern what the crushing in their life is. All they know is it's hard. All they know is it's heavy. And all they know is that they're alone. See, we've got the revelation of Philipsis. We've preached it for years, for years. 
But there's a, there's a world out there that all they know is that they're in pain and that they're hurting and they're being crushed. And they don't know if they're going to make it. And it's their time of distress. And to keep oneself unstained by the world. Do you guys remember what I talked about last week? I talked about the condition of heart. I talked about the importance of the condition of our heart. I mentioned that bridling our tongue isn't some work of self-determination or self-control. or It's not working on our tongue. It's working on what? Our heart. It's crying out to God, renew my heart. Fill my heart. Renew my mind. Fill me up with you. Let it be an overflow of you. Lord, I, I push away what? Evil. Wickedness. I push it aside so that there's what? Room! So that there's room! So that there's room for Him to, to fill us up. Not just, I mean, if, if I'm pouring into a full glass, it's just splashing and pouring over. I want to be filled with Him. I want my heart renewed by Him, my, my mind renewed by Him. The things that we so often try and work on, we try and do in our own strength without realizing that it, it has to come from working on the heart, the condition of our heart being yielded and open and bare and vulnerable and hungry before Him and, and making room for Him and then saying, fill me up, fill me up, Lord. You guys, there's such power in invitation. There's such power in welcoming. Oh, Lord, come in. Come in. I'm not going to fix this. I just need you. I'm not even going to attempt to fix it. I just need you. We are to do as Psalm 51 says and to cry out to our Father. Create in me a clean heart. Powerful words. We talked about the vulnerability of this. David crying out, creating me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. The genuine measure of our religion, the genuine measure of our worship, of our expression to God, will be measured by the commitment of our heart, not our works. This is, this is the, the book that talks about works. Faith without works is dead. Be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. But we're not going to be measured by our works. When we are truly surrendered to God, when our hearts are truly filled with Him, those works are not obligation. I said that last week and it's worth saying again. When we are truly in love with the Lord, obedience is not heavy. It's the natural thing we do. It flows from us because we love Him and we trust Him. So why wouldn't we obey Him? Works are the reflection of a heart. They're not the reflection of a determined mind. They're not the reflection of a stalwart dedication to truth, justice in the American way. Our works are just a natural overflow of our heart for God. That's why it's important. That's why we talk about the condition of our heart. Our obedience will never be about obligations, but about what? 
affection. Affection. I sing to Jesus. Why? Because someone makes me? Because that's what's expected of me? Because that's what it says in some um, charismatic lead pastor's handbook. I've got to wear chucks and I've got to sing. No. I sing because I can't help myself. I sing because I love Him. I sing because I, honestly, a little selfishly, because I know how it makes me feel. I know once I start lifting up Jesus, I know how that's going to make me feel. And I... But that's okay. It's a win-win. I do it because I can't help myself, because I love him. So in studying this passage of scripture, as I often do, I looked up the meaning of the words. I like to see what you know the meaning of those words are. And oh my gosh, in looking for some jewels, folks, we found some tonight. So excited about this. When we read... Uh, let's pull up verse 27 again of James 1. Pure and defiled religion in the sight of our Father, our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress. So that word orphans is orphanos. This is, I can pronounce that one. I nailed it, right? Let's be honest, I nailed orphanos. Okay, there's a lot of them I just swing and miss. Here's what that means. Orphanos is bereft, lacking, or deprived of a father. Deprived of a father or parents. I didn't put the order there. That's how, that's the translation. Bereft, lacking, or deprived of a father or parents. Of those bereft of a teacher, a guide, a guardian. Isn't that awesome? not even the best part of this word. You guys are going to lose it. The best part of this word is this. Orphan, orphanos is not a noun. It is an adjective. It's a descriptor. And descriptions can be changed. Think about the other adjectives. They're descriptors. They're modifiers of nouns, of person, places, and things, right? Orphan is only meant to be an adjective. It's only meant to be a descriptor until we have seen change made. And how do we see change made in someone who's an orphan? We bring them to the Father. We bring them to the Father. And they are no longer an orphan. They're not a noun in the first place. They're not identified by that. They're not labeled by that. That is not part of their identity. It's just a temporary descriptor until we take them and bring them to the Father. How awesome is that? guys, we're supposed to be used in making this description change in people's lives. People who have been deprived and bereft of a father. We are to be used in changing this descriptor and bringing them to the father. Hmm. How do we change this description? Think about the answer to that. How do we change this description? You give them a daddy. You and I are equipped with the power to give people daddies. Not just any daddy. 
our perfect Father. Think about how many people in our lives are orphans. I love that that passage that Peter read today talked about that no longer orphans. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That was awesome. The word for widow, it's kera, and it means a widow, a woman who has lost her husband through death. Through death, she's without a husband. This word is a noun. But you know what? The description has been changed. The ability for this to be changed is part of our calling as well. Someone is a widow. So how can we make them a bride again? How can we make them walk in the beauty of being a bride again, selected and chosen and beautiful and doted over and lavished with every good thing. When we read this passage, guys, I don't ever want us to read it and just think with a limited mindset of widow and orphan again. This is a kingdom passage. This is kingdom truth that is being preached. We are to bring people who don't, haven't yet met daddy to bring them to daddy. We are to bring people, men and women, who are widows and to bring them to the bridegroom. This, this word for widow, after the descriptions I read, this was the next definition. This is amazing. A metaphor for a city stripped of its inhabitants and riches. That's what this word kera is. A, a metaphor for a city stripped of its inhabitants and riches. It's a feminine word conveying the idea of deficiency. True religion is this. Undefiled and pure religion worship is this. If our worship team could come up. I want us to close out tonight worshiping the Lord with the Holy Spirit just moving once again in our hearts. But I said it before, I need us to grab a hold of this scripture and to live it. I need us to grab a hold of this scripture and to live it. Going and visiting orphans, hugely important. Caring for widows, important. Going to the prisons, important. Feeding the hungry, important. Bringing healing to the hurting, important. Bringing restoration to the rejected, important. But we can't just simplify this and make this about a series of actions that we got to do. A series of works that we have to do that define our worship to the Lord. This has to be an overflow of who we are when we understand that there are people out there without the love of, of our daddy who are alone and they don't know the love of, and the, the life that comes with redemption of life through Jesus Christ.
the scripture is telling us that God wants to be their dad and that we're to go and be a part. That Jesus wants them to be his bride and that we are to go to them in their time of greatest need. When is that time? Now. When is that time? Now. The time is now. We are to be a church that goes now. We are to be a people that go now. We are to be a son that that fights through and makes that introduction to the Father. Doing away with adoption. Doing away with, with, with people being orphans and bringing a spirit of adoption. And we're to do it now. You guys, we need a bigger view of what this means. We need, a, we need a kingdom perspective on what this means. We have got to grasp what so many people fail to grasp when they're reading James. This is not about our works. It's about our heart. This is not about our strength. It's about our love. That's what this is about. And it flows from us. There's not some heavy obligation to go and do these things to prove our religion but we are to go and demonstrate what's already there and we can't contain if we tried. Do we see the difference? We can't do this in our own strength. We can't do this in the bigness of our own hearts. And there are some big hearts in this place. And you can't do it on the bigness of your heart. We can only do this effectively and enduringly. with the love of our Savior. With a heart that is full of the Father. And while we're doing this, the Word says that we are to keep oneself unstained by the world. And to keep oneself unstained by the world. I'm not talking about getting a little dirty, okay? These, these hands... We're out there, we're doing work, they're going to get a little dirty. And they clean easily. That Getting dirty and getting stained are two different things. When we're doing the work of the Lord, we're going to get a little dirty. Might even get a little bloody. But when it talks about not being stained, it's about being pure and unblemished. Not letting the cares and the ugliness and the darkness of this world, the heaviness of this world, stain us. Hurt us. I promise you this, guys, if we're doing this on our own strength, if we carry the burden of this in our own strength, it will stain our hearts. It will make our hearts cold and we will, we will give up hope because we will see the bigness of it instead of seeing the bigness of what? Instead of seeing the bigness of our God. When we're taking Jesus to a deficient land, to a city that has been abandoned and stolen from, stripped of its inhabitants and riches, there's only one way to do so where our actions are described as pure and undefiled religion. And that's to do it with God's heart and not ours. We have to walk into that city. We have to walk into that land where people have been orphaned and abandoned. 
and that where because of death they're alone. And as we enter, we walk in bearing the heart of Jesus Christ. Let's worship the Lord. Let's let Him take this word and just just fill our hearts with it. Just layer our hearts with the truth of this so that we're not just hearers of this word, friends, but so that because of our love for Him, we are doers.